Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sex Sales Podcast, episode 148, nearing that 150 milestone. Um, this is a podcast where we talk about culture, relationships, and dating from a male and female perspective. And today we're asking the question, what question should you ask early on in a relationship or in the dating stage to gauge whether you are compatible with the person that you may be courting or who may be courting you? Um, but before we get into that, uh, my tour is going on. If you want to come see me live, neilcolehacker.com slash tickets or to just Perth, but all the other capital cities in Australia um, still on sale. Uh, and if you missed last episode, I will be taking a step back from episode 150. It's been an incredible journey and I've absolutely loved doing these podcasts. Um, but Eliza will be taking over and I'm very uh, confident um, and happy that she'll be taking the reins and taking the podcast in her own direction. And I'm sure you'll all still thoroughly enjoy them. So, Hopefully. yeah, <laughs> well, they will. Uh, how how are you doing? And, and also, this was your idea to discuss this topic. So, yeah, well, I, I have been doing well, thank you. And um, I have nothing exciting to share. But I came across this idea for this topic because for a few reasons. One, I'm so sick and tired of death of people constantly messaging me being like, I've been with this person for two and a half years. I've just found out they don't want kids, but they're the love of my life. What do I do? Oh. And I was like, how long have they not wanted kids for? Forever, but we've never talked about it. Like, how has this never come up for two and a half years? And this just, this is happening constantly. And I'm seeing it all the time with people that message me, wow. clients, friends, and I'm just so shocked by it that it's almost like people, the because the courting stage that used to go on for months and months and months, it doesn't really happen like it used to anymore. Um, it just seems to be like you, you're you going on dates and you're either so casual that you're casually dating for like six months before you get in a relationship or you decide, you know, we've done this and we've gone on a few dates, let's become exclusive and go on a in a relationship without actually knowing like some really important things that you should know and then having to face a decision down the track and potential heartbreak because for things that could have been avoided basically like do your premarital counseling pre-relationship <laughs> would be ideal I think um and it came it reminded me because I was watching um the new season of Below Deck and one of the cast members is it's a it's a reality tv show it's real people real lives and um one of the cast members has a boyfriend of only four months and she was saying, like, you know, she's gone onto the boat now to the show. She was attracted to one of the other crew members. That's not her boyfriend. And she was like, well, I've been cheated on by every single guy I've ever dated. And I've recently got a new boyfriend. We've only been together for four months. And he's just told me he's, like, non-monogamous and wants an open relationship. But because I keep getting being cheated on all the time, I figured, well, I guess it's better to just go non-monogamous then. But she doesn't know anything about it. She doesn't know. She's like, can I approach this guy? Should I start flirting with him? I don't know. I don't know how it works. And then during the, there's only a few episodes out, but during the episodes, she keeps calling her boyfriend at home being like, uh, 
like, have you slept with anyone? Actually, no, I don't want to know. Like, oh. but she keeps doing it over and over again. Like, they haven't established any rules. And I'm like, how does she not know that he was non-monogamous or wanted non-monogamy? Like, these are the questions you should be asking before you commit to being in an actual relationship with someone because she's in love with this guy now and she's probably going to end up in heartbreak because this is something she's never navigated. She doesn't know how to navigate. And as far as she's concerned, they're sleeping with other people, but she doesn't know any rules about it. Like, do they share it? Do they don't? Do they keep it private? What happens once they move in? What about when they have kids? Like all of those things should be pre-discussed. So I was thinking... We could go one by one or otherwise I've got a list of like 800 probably off the top of my head for things that you should screen your partner or ask your potential partner before you commit to being in a relationship with them with the intention of it turning into a long-term, you know, commitment. Sure. So, well, there's the first one. Uh, Are you monogamous? Yeah. That would be a big question to ask. Even like I've asked Adrian – like I know I did ask him that and, yes, he's monogamous. And then I was like, well, how would you feel if 30 years into the future and we're in our 50s, we've still got a, you know, committed marriage, committed relationship and obviously a lot of pre-established trust and closeness. How would you feel if we were to open our relationship as 50-year-olds or, you know, become swingers or, you know, what are your thoughts on that? And he was like, absolutely fucking not (laughs) like I couldn't do it whereas I always said when I'm 50 if I've been with someone for that long I'll just be a swinger or something (laughs) I'm not like that invested in that idea it's good to ask that as well because I think you should say okay what what do you want out of this relationship monogamy or non-monogamy and then would you ever be open to broaching that topic because some people if you're in a five-year relationship and you even just broach that topic that can be the um, end for the other person because I think oh, how yeah. could they even want to want yeah. to sleep with other people? So I've asked that question um, and, yeah, my partner is very open about talking about those sorts of things and I just – I can't remember exactly how I said it. It's sometimes a very awkward conversation to have but, like, would you ever be uh, open to having that conversation or is it just mm. right now I want to be 100% monogamous and mm. I probably will be for my life after – um, the bad experience I had in an open relationship. But yeah. uh, I think it's still good to to ask the question, you know, what do you think about that? Or would you, it, let's say hypothetically, like you did 30 years into the future, let's say the relationship's going really well, but then the sex has dried up or whatever. Do you think that's something you would be comfortable talking about? Mm, and that's a good yeah. question to ask. Yeah. It comes up all the time on the on the dead bedroom subreddit where people that have been in relationships for usually some of them have been in only a couple of years, but usually it's people that have been married for five, 10, 15 years and they're saying, I haven't had I get sex once a year or whatever. And often it the high libido person approaches the lower libido and says, Okay, we haven't had sex in five years. Is it a possibility to open the relationship? Can it be like literally just escorts only once a month? Or I've even seen um, people writing in, for example, women that are the self-confessed low libido saying, I want to offer this to my husband because I'm not interested in sex or they have terminal illness and just don't want to have their partner miss out on intimacy or whatever. So they are wanting to explore 
opening the relationship just for them. Um, so I think it's, it is important to think, well, are you open-minded to those conversations in the future? Is it a hard no? And it's okay to kind of change your opinion on it as you go older, as you get older and more experienced or whatever. But I think it is a really good starting point. You could ask that if you if you're not in a if it's not a sort of religious dating site or something where you yeah. know that you have similar values in that realm. You yeah. you gotta early on have some sort of conversation about that, or at least gauge as best as you can. Would this person be interested in something like that? Because again, the the the, the worst thing is someone who might not even want to be in an open relationship or non-monogamy or whatever but then just broach the topic and say oh my friends are doing it i think that's cool and then that can um uh destroy the image that the partner has of the other person because they think wow our values are so different Mm -hmm. and i don't know if i can be with this person and that would be really brutal so yeah, the yeah, amount of relationships I've age. seen break up because someone asked the other person for a threesome is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm guessing it's probably the guy. Yeah, usually. Yeah. yeah. Not always, but usually. Hmm. And if it's the woman asking, it's often for a male, female, male. Yeah. You know? But very common now, isn't it? All the well, it's very common in the in in you know millennial, middle to upper middle class cosmopolitan secular dating. Sorry, I'm just doing all this word salad, <laughs> but uh, it's pretty. It seems quite common now. It doesn't. It doesn't seem to have you know because when four or five years ago, when I was reading a lot of those books, it it didn't seem as common, and now. It just seems very it, – it, you don't really bat an eyelid if someone's like, yeah, we're non-monogamous or, yeah, we're polyamorous. Yeah, yeah. very extremely common. Hmm. It's just growing and growing, which I think is a really good thing that you can find – there's a good chance that if you're a non-monogamous person, you can find someone that meets those values with you relatively easily, especially if you live in a city. And what was interesting is the other week um, – I can't remember what we did a podcast on and I remember I put up like an Instagram – um, question box, which, oh my God, I don't know what it was, but it was something about relationships. Oh, which is this considered cheating in relationships? Yes or no. And then someone was like, I'm assuming you're talking about a monogamous relationship. And I was like, that's so true. Like I just assumed that everyone would be thinking of monogamous relationships. I didn't even open my mind when I put that question up about non-monogamous relationships, in which case it could be very different. So, yeah, that's um, I shouldn't just assume that the general population is in monogamous relationships anymore, which is, I think, yeah, I think it's good. I think it's interesting. Um, But, yeah, which I guess the other one then come down to I think is an important one as well as marriage um, and yeah. do you want marriage in the future because why am I seeing so many people posting online being like we've been together for nine years but he doesn't want to get married and he's always said I don't want that etc. Mm. And I'm like God just ask them. <laughs> it's and, the same with kids. <laughs> yeah do you want kids and what's yeah. your what's your general timeline? Sometimes yeah. some these can come across as an interrogation, yeah. but yeah. Um, it's just better to ask them. A hundred percent. I think that's that was one of the things I found really appealing about Adrian when we first started dating, that he was like, I'm so ready to settle down, get married and have kids. And I was like, great, I don't want to do this 
dating shit for another 10 years. Like <laughs> that works for me. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that's a good question. And I think another really important one is what are your hard no's in a relationship? Like, um, for example, drugs or smoking, um, what are things that are completely non-negotiable to you or cheating, um, alcohol use, things that you're not going to be flexible or willing on, things like that might relate to triggers or whatever. Um, I think that is an important discussion to have, like boundaries that are not going to be flexible and are not going to be changed. And it's like I either need you to adhere to them or agree with them or not engage in them or tell me that up front. Like I think that drugs and smoking is a really big one um, that, you know, some people are like, I cannot be with someone that does this and then yet they seem to find the people that do that and then it comes into this total like you're controlling me or don't tell me what to do and this and that. So I think that's an important one. And what do you want out of a relationship, all that sort of stuff because then you get a gauge of all right, what is going to be appropriate? What does this person find appropriate in a um, relationship and does that align with me in, Mm. in, in uh, most of the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, also, you're sorry. You I'll, I'll, just real quick, I was going to say, uh, how do you see money? I think that's a really That was going to be my next one. Yeah, financial <laughs> yeah. values. Are your financial yeah. values aligned? Mm-hmm. If you have a 10 grand, do you want to do you, are you going to save that or would you rather go on a holiday? Because that seems trivial, but that yeah. can cause a lot of fights. It's the biggest indicator and cause of divorce, not indicator, sorry, the biggest cause of divorce is financial disagreement. Disagreement, um, not hardship. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, usually it's it's not to be stereotypical here, but it's the man who wants to save or invest and the woman who wants to um, maybe go on a holiday or, or spend it on you know, things in the house, right? Do you know, it's funny because it, I feel like it used to be like that, but now in this current era, every time I've come across this issue, it's been in, in reverse. Really? Where the woman is okay. coming with $50-plus in savings and she meets someone who's got $200, um, doesn't care okay. about saving, doesn't want to do a deposit for a house or anything like that, and complete just disarray of what to do and she's you know looking after him financially or whatever just different goals um some people believe you know like renting for life which i think is valid there's valid points to that compared to buying place or whatever yeah so choice yeah and and that as well um so i think that's important as well as like incomes um how you feel especially as a woman to ask like how you feel if i out earn you um, what are your thoughts on financially providing for me if I were to stay at home if we have children or do you expect me to stay at home and be a stay-at-home mom while you yeah. earn the money and what access will I have to your finances in that time, et cetera? Um, I think those are those are really big and important questions because I do know, you know, of couples Definitely. that have been questioning like, well, where he has said, I feel – uncomfortable with you spending my money while you're on mat leave and then her being like well what am I like supposed to do (laughs) like you want me to stay at home with the baby you need to share your money um it's so you wouldn't think that that would come up as a problem but it can and it does Mm. 
That's a big one. Money's a huge one. And do you want separate savings accounts for life or do you want to join it? Like I guess that would be a question a little bit further into relationship, not like a first date. (laughs) What's the norm now? Because when I was growing up, it seemed like every couple just had a joint account Mm. and the idea of separate accounts was weird. But now I don't know what the norm is. I would say most people that are in long-term relationships either have separate accounts completely separate or they have separate accounts with one joint account where they put some money into. I'll be honest, Adrian and I have one account between the two of us and all of our income, all of our money has gone into it. Actually, when we started dating, literally, this is pretty like scary when I think about it, but six, seven weeks, maybe it was before eight weeks. I remember that into dating. You got a joint bank account seven weeks into dating. Yeah, only because (laughs) I pushed this. Hang on. We didn't put all our money into it. Yeah. I pushed for it because it was always this, you know, he wanted to be a gentleman and pay for all of, like, pay for our dates or whatever. I would pay for dates. And then we'd go on, like, all, we were going every weekend or every second weekend, we were going away on little farm stays. And I was like, wouldn't it just be easy if we just put, like, we literally put, like, $100 or $150 a week in each to an account and then we'd be spending it on the weekend for all of our dinners, okay, outings, well, actually, trips away. Smart. And no, that way we good. never had to be like who's paying for what or it all falling onto him because he's the man or whatever. I just thought it was better. And that ended up like a, good idea. We, uh, a few months in, like every couple of months we increased the money and then a lot of that ended up being a, our savings for a deposit for a house or part of it. So it ended up being like a really like positive thing because I see a lot of people saying like I'm so um, – sick of calculating one of my ex-boyfriends he would beam it which is like when you try to like request money for if I had asked him to go to the shops to get me tampons <laughs> I'm like it's six dollars thirty you really gonna make me pay like send you the money back I would have just gone and do it but he was so hyper vigilant about who paid for what who contributed what and for the record he was extremely well off financially as well um and well, had a lot of money why. But we're so stingy with it, yeah. and that's what I've you find. never. Rich yeah, people are very; uh, they were very strict. Yeah, I just couldn't believe it. Yeah, it was it was an interesting thing. Um, so it has it wasn't ever going to be a problem if we didn't do it in our relationship. But I just feel like it made things so easy to do it that way, where we just had one card and we just met everything we did together. We just use that groceries, well, that, whatever. That's a good idea if you contribute a certain or equal amount each week into your, you know, date account or your couple yeah. account or something, that would actually be a lot easier because then you can all both look at the balance and say, oh, what what, what restaurant can we go to tonight? Yeah. Is it the, yeah. is it, uh, the fancy bougie? French one or are we going yeah. to the local fish and chips? Mm-hmm. In this economy, probably the local, even that. <laughs> Have you noticed that? Just as a side note, all the places, what is it? Now, if you make food at home, it pretty much costs the same as if you go yeah, out. Yeah, I know. Everything's so yeah. expensive. It's crazy how much I spend on groceries a week. Like, I think I'm spending close to, I'm spending at least $200, maybe 300 a week. It's just Well, like, probably more for you because it's vegan, right? Yeah. I don't think it's necessarily more, especially because when I, what we feed Remy, uh, we're eating a, a lot less. Like, I can't give Remy fake oh, meats true, yeah. so he's eating like lentils tofu i do give him eggs um so that's actually pretty cheap compared to 
vegan fake meats or just meat in general. So it's been cheap in that aspect where everything is just so – I bought a cucumber yesterday and it was like $3 for one cucumber and I was like, what the – like that's just crazy. And anyway. Does, um, do, so do you buy for the whole family with that yeah. 200 Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. But we also get takeaway on top of that like once a week. Yeah. Well, that's pretty um, standard. Yeah. So I'd say we spend like – yeah, around 300 maybe a little bit more even a week on food. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty bad. That includes nappies. Well, no, you got to – you can't – got to – I think you got to – it's nice to eat out once a week. Sure, if you really yeah. need to tighten the belt, you got to yeah. do what you do. But honestly, yeah. at this point, some of the meals uh, that you home cook yeah. are going to cost the same. And now I've heard that restaurants are using all sorts of such shoddy ingredients now to oh, cut shit. their costs. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but look, it's small businesses right now, not um, – yeah, anyway, that's a bit depressing. <laughs> but moving on, what are some other questions? Um, what do you consider cheating? Is Listen to our last week's podcast, the week before, whatever that was on, for further inspiration. But is um, – Instagram models cheating, is OnlyFans cheating, um, is seeing but not touching another girl or flirting cheating, like what are your boundaries with what do you consider loyalty, et cetera, um, what are you going to be uncomfortable with, what are your views on porn, I think those are like really, really important questions, <laughs> like yeah, wildly sure. important to avoid heartbreak. <laughs> Totally. No, those make a lot of sense to ask those. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be on the second date or something. You yeah, know, yeah. It's like a few weeks in yeah, or, or, some, or something. But yeah. try to do Just it be, early. Yeah, be good to know, like, are you on the same page as that? Because some people will be adamant and be like, hang on, this is not problematic. Adrian and I were talking about this yesterday where his boss was suggesting a team um, – like a, a work function at Twin Peaks in Sydney, which is like a, from what I looked it up, it was, it was like a bougie restaurant, but all the women that work there are like fully nude and then they do shows where they're strippers basically. But you get, instead of like getting hot chips, you get full like meals, um, but they're strippers there. And then, yeah, Adrian's boss was like, we should go here, same thing. And Adrian was said, he was like, I responded saying, if I went there, that would be the last place I ever went. <laughs> um, but I just thought that that is interesting that, you know, f- to just assume we can go out on a work lunch t- <laughs> to see strippers. Well, that's what it, what's he no, in? No, the fuck you can't. He's <laughs> in construction. Yeah, landscaping. Yeah. Actually, to be fair, <laughs> investment bankers would do that a lot. Yeah, yeah, and this one was kind of like this one. I looked it up. We looked it up, and I was like, "This is like upper market." It seems like you have to pay like a minimum one hundred and ten dollars. Plus, the food's pretty expensive, and all the wow. women look very like high class type. And they get like There's when they serve of- you food, they crawl onto your table like naked. <laughs> and I'm like, "This is so degrading." <laughs> I can't. Jesus Christ! Couldn't like. Uh, oh, Why? <laughs> Honestly. It's all power play, all those strip, strip clubs, anything like that. It's yeah. all the image is like the man, 
being powerful and throwing yeah. money and the girl doing what he wants. But the woman is walking away with a thousand dollars at night. Yeah. Like it's actually yeah. they're the ones in the I would argue they're the ones in the position of power. And after many nights in my early twenties going home minus two hundred dollars, I realized that. <laughs> and yeah, it's just not worth yeah. it. It's um what Chris Rock has a good joke about like men who eat at the strip club. And he, I can't remember what exactly, but I just remember thinking like He's he's talking about a story where he goes with his friend to the strip club and he's eating like big meaty nachos while he's just the image of that is, is the most Gross. ridiculous thing. That's so fucking weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We had a really big talk about this yesterday where Adrian was like, what are your like views on like, are you supportive of sex workers and strippers? Like, is it a feminist thing? Is it anti-feminist? And I was like, there's so many caveats, but I feel like the, the peak and most ethical is actually OnlyFans where they are 100% soul earners. They get to screen out anyone. They choose what they are producing. They don't have to pay I mean, they pay some commission to the website or whatever, but they're not like paying 40% of their income to the strip club owners, et cetera. Um, but yeah, it is it is an interesting thought. Anyway. Yeah, it's a service that. that it's, what is it, the oldest profession and it's always going to exist. But if you have an option, I think it's better if you yeah. pursue something else. But, yeah. you know, I've uh, been there and done that. So yeah, I'm, I'm done OnlyFans myself. I don't think... Actually, no, I've never subscribed to OnlyFans, but I've been to strip oh, really? clubs. No, that's yeah, I, I, maybe it's a younger guy thing, but I don't, I couldn't do that. Really? Why? I, like, assuming if you were, let's say you're engaging in like regular, frequent porn use, what would yeah. you be your reason not to? The money. Oh, right. Free. Yeah, <laughs> what <Bought> a pay. <laughs> to get a weird message once a week. <laughs> I mean, look, yeah, I'm sure some people really enjoy that and they might be lonely and that that helps them, but I, nah. Yeah, I was saying this to Adrian yesterday that it's rare that women just get found on OnlyFans and then make a fan base from that. It's what they can sell and the way they make money is by having a pre-existing, often non-sexual profile where people are interested and intrigued and they want to like you know a lot of influencers or even um this girl I follow on Instagram who I've spoken about her a couple of times her name's wheelchair Rapunzel and she has um I don't know what it is uh, called sorry it's seemed ignorant but she has a significant physical disability and she um she doesn't have she can't really use her body she's in a wheelchair 24 7 um has extreme limited movement and she had a baby and there was this big controversy around that. Anyway, she has an OnlyFans. And even I was like, I'm so intrigued to see what who's involved in it. Is it solo because she can't, you know, she can't move herself. She's caretakers 24-7. Um, are the caretakers involved? Like all these things. I'm so I'm so fascinated. And you can see why people like and um especially Anna Paul, and she's the biggest um OnlyFans earner, highest earner in Australia. And if you look at her TikTok, she's so normal, down to earth, casual, funny. She's a girl's girl kind of thing. 
And then people, she's got millions of followers. She's got millions of dollars from this now. Like she is so extremely rich and she showers all her friends and family in these lavish trips around the world. She's in Australia like every like couple of months because she's always just traveling and going places. And people are like, wait, she is an OnlyFans? I didn't know that. And I'm like, that's how she got rich. Um, but then more and more people join her OnlyFans to be like, I did not, I could not imagine her being an OnlyFans creator because she's so like girl next door, seems innocent and cute. And she was in this long-term relationship for like 10 years that she's just ended or whatever. Um, so that kind of parasocial relationship and morbid curiosity as well brings mm. a lot of people in. Yeah. 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 I think it also uh, it just brings in a lot of Indian guys. I'm assuming that's what like the major income sources, like guys from India or Africa, who just like aren't don't see women ever. But I don't know. I don't know anything about it. But mm. yeah, you got yeah you got to ask that question. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not a fan of the body count question. Some people want to ask that question. I don't see the point. I don't. Yeah, I don't support that. I mean, if you want to answer it or or it's really important to you to know, like whatever. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I just don't see the point because like what number other than – if you're asking that question, what number other than zero is going to make you happy? Everyone has, I feel like people that have that asked that question, they have a idea in their head of what would be okay or what would be not. I remember years and years ago, one of my short-term dating experiences where we were close to getting in a relationship, he asked me like, what's your body count? And I told him, this was a really, really long time ago, um, and uh, he was like, thank God it's not yet in double digits. Otherwise, I wouldn't have dated you. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck? Broke up with him. Got it in double digits. Just kidding. Um, but, yeah, I just thought that was so gross um, to me. And it's like, you know what, if he had thought that whatever, but really would it have made a difference? Because he was telling me at that point he's in love with me. Like if it re- would it have made a difference if I had gone from, say, eight people to 10 like would you really have been like i'm gonna call this now (laughs) like sorry you're too much of a yeah (laughs) i asked it when i was younger and it just came from yeah i didn't want the girl to have a bigger one than me because i felt insecure about it but yeah Yeah. there's just no point in it's just i think don't ask don't tell yeah it's not gonna and you know if we're if we're talking about women just have more access to casual sex. They they have so many more opportunities. There's men in their DMs all the time. They're out and any girl could go out on a night and just get that many offers. So it probably is going to be higher than yours if you're the same age. And so, also women are much more likely to be obviously like coerced, assaulted, manipulated, sure. um etc as well and those count towards the body count obviously uh, so it's yeah i think it's yeah, better just to r- really like i don't think it's an appropriate question to ask it shouldn't matter um that being said you know i know guys that have told me they've slept with over 150 women 
And I immediately am like, this isn't, you're like, this is gone to me. Like, I mean, every, you must not respect women. You just make assumptions of it. Like, everyone has a it. certain number where they would think, yeah. oh, that's a lot. Yeah. Everyone does have that number. But I just, uh, maybe this is from personal experience as well, but it's better to just not know. Yeah. Why bother knowing? There is a, like a, a thing on TikTok where women always say and girls always say, if anyone ever asks you, it's either three, four or five. Even if you slept with 45 men, you've either slept with three, four or five men. Well, That's that, it. That's exactly. your range. That's the other thing. They're just going <laughs> to And guys always add lie. five to ten more on top of <laughs> what they've had unless it's like already well, Girls will do number. what? Girl math with the body count. Be like, well, yeah. that one didn't count because I was on holiday <laughs> yeah. and then – the other I was one, intoxicated. He was he he ended up being super toxic, so I don't count him. I didn't orgasm. So actually, it was two. <laughs> Whereas guys would be like, "Yeah, I mean, like we just hooked up, but like you know that counts." And yeah, I paid for that one, but that one counts. Let's just add three because <laughs> she was super hot, and they'll inflate the number completely. So basically, whatever the guy's number is, minus ten, and whatever the girl's number is, plus ten, and just mm-hmm. don't even ask. Nothing good ever comes out of it. Nothing good ever comes out of looking at someone's phone yeah. or asking the body count. Yeah. You just got to have trust and hopefully don't give your partner a reason to feel the need that they have to look through your phone. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, if someone really wants to know, then that would be a question to ask early on. Yeah. I think a big one actually not a big one, a little one, but one that you can ask almost immediately is how how do you spend your weekends and do you prioritize relaxing or going yes. out and partying? Um, because or, that is something I think is important to be somewhat compatible in. And do you like going outdoors? Are you a yeah. morning person? Yeah. That sort of stuff is going to is gonna determine how well you get along, I think. Because yeah. I know, you know, you you, go, you went out with Adrian every, like you said, every second week yeah. to a farm stay or something. I, I, I wouldn't want to do that. Uh, <laughs> you know, Andrew yeah. and I don't really do that. We do it every <laughs> couple of months maybe. But yeah. um, some people love to get up at 5 a.m. and see the sunrise and, you know, go for a bushwalk every, every weekend. And some people like to sleep in. And, and some people hate watching a... TV or movies That's and they true. don't want to sit That's on the couch. True. They're like sitting at home on a Friday night. That would be my worst nightmare. Like that's my favorite thing to do, <laughs> be at home on a Friday night. You know, it's. I think it's important. Or if you're not compatible with that, like how okay are you with one person going out and one person staying home? And also like what are your uh, – if you have a nine-to-five job or you work five days a week or whatever – what do you like to do after work? That's, because yeah. Do you like I dated someone that was a basketball player, like not a pro, just really liked basketball. And then he'd finish work and fucking play basketball till like 8 p.m. every single fucking day. And I go to bed at nine. So like I was like, I'll never see you. Like, every day, <laughs> basketball. It sucks. That's but pretty, good for you. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Just date someone with a later bedtime. Date someone that goes to bed at like 11. Not yeah. 9 o'clock. <laughs> and I think these things probably aren't real deal breakers as such, yeah. but it's good to know. I mean, you'll get, yeah. you, this is sort of stuff that will come up once you date anyway. Mm. This sort of stuff will, you may not even need to ask because you'll eventually, after two, three months, you'll figure out, all right, that's what they do on their weekends or 
Um, that's what their w- weekly routine is like. Yeah. Politics is something that in this day and age you might have to ask. If it's a huge deal breaker for you what someone thinks on a certain issue or who they vote for, there's maybe more in an American context. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is, there's now dating apps in America that are specifically like, this is the liberal dating app and this is the conservative yeah. dating app. And people are actually happier because they then, a lot of these questions are uh, answered for them. Mm. Well, you'd hope so. There's probably still a lot of people on there that are lying, but uh, that might be something to ask. I don't know how you ask that in a nice way because anytime I've broached that with previous partners, you can't just directly ask someone, what are your politics? It Usually those sorts of conversations will pop up and you get to gauge that. You know, I find it funny that even in Australia, I know women ask men, do you like Trump or not? And that's how they gauge it. <laughs> like, yeah, that's the extent of it for them. But yeah, I think that's a tricky one to navigate. Um, I guess it depends on the person, but yeah, it is an interesting one. Yeah, and don't lie if you're the guy. Yeah, back yourself. Yeah. Oh, well, she might not sleep with me if I say that, but no, just be honest. If anything, yeah. she might and respect that more. Appreciate it. Yeah. So, um. Yeah, you go back yourself. Yeah. There's a lot of um, memes like that where um, it's like me um, telling the girl that's into me about the radical political views of a man. <laughs> anyway, they're funny. Um, I have a few that were very like women-specific questions. Um, so you may not relate to this, but this All has right, always been important to me. Um I this isn't so much a question, but I always suss out if someone, if a guy is going to be grossed out when I mention period, that is a big red flag to me and I, I just know I'm going to hate him. Like if I say I've got my period or whatever or I've, even if it's something more subtle like uh, it can't come out, I've got really bad cramps and they freak out and they think that's gross or whatever, no, <laughs> that I hate that. Or leaving like a tampon an unused tampon, I should clarify, in its packet on in the bathroom or whatever and someone's like, that's gross, I don't want to see that shit and it's unused, that's a red flag. Like you should be able to talk about those things. I think that one a lot of women will agree with me that, hey, newsflash, most women have periods. <laughs> like, fuck, get over it. Um, the other one I think that a lot of people don't ask but I think would be important to ask, especially for women, Um, and I say this because I see this a billion times a day, especially on Reddit, um, would be how will you or will you still love me and be attracted to me or what is your thoughts and opinions, et cetera, or what are your expectations on my body throughout our relationship and as we age, like my physical appearance. Do you expect me to maintain my body? Will you be still attracted to me um, after I, when I'm older and my boobs look different or after childbirth, etc.? Like I asked Adrian this question 
a billion times before I was pregnant, especially during pregnancy as well, being like, these are some of the changes that are going to happen to my body. Um, and kind of like preparing him for it because I was, I was nervous. Like things, things change shape, things change color. A lot of things can happen after childbirth and pregnancy in particular. And I see, I'm in like a postpartum Reddit, um, subreddit that I follow. And so many women, hundreds and hundreds of women say, my partner has told me they're no longer attracted to me and they don't want to be with me or they don't want to sleep with me because of how my body has looked three months after I have a baby or because I have stretch marks from my pregnancy or loose skin, which you literally can't help without surgery. Even stretch marks, like you can't do anything about that, etc. So I think that that is not necessarily something that you need to bring up early on in a relationship, but something to suss out at some point as well. And I guess leaning on from that as well, like how important to you is health and fitness? Because a lot of people would find it gross if someone's like, lazy or whatever. Whereas like for me personally, I don't prioritize. That's not like the top of my priority list, but for a lot of people it is. Um, yeah. And that's a good one. Yeah. I think with that attraction one, it's just, you can't, you don't know. Sometimes you would want to, you would, if you maybe, would there be a way to frame it? Like, okay, how important is your physical attraction to me throughout every stage of this relationship? Um, mm. because if you say something like, will you be attracted to me when I'm 60? Well, I mean, like I, I would hope so, but yeah, I don't know. I can't control that attraction. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that's a fair point. And it's more so like, you know, often I see guys saying, um, I'm like almost, it's not that they're grappling with the fact that they're not attracted to their partner or wife anymore and they feel really bad about it. When I see it from a male perspective online, it's often from a place of anger. Like yeah. my when I met my um, now wife, we were 19 in college. She was a cheerleader. She was really fit. Now she's 31. She's gained 13 kilos from them, blah, blah, blah. And people are commenting me like, dude, you met her when she was a teenager. She was 19. Like – don't punish her for for her body not being the same. Or, yeah, you know, in childbirth. Like when I had a baby, I in my pregnancy, I gained 35 kilos. Like that, th- think about that. Like that's a shitload of weight to put on. A lot of that was baby and fluid, et cetera. And like literally within weeks of giving birth, I had dropped 20 kilos and I've since lost the rest of it. But that is a lot of weight and people don't, anticipate those things and it's important to at least not know you don't have to know okay I will 100% be attracted to you when you're 51 years old and your boobs are four centimeters lower but to at least have some education and awareness that an expectation of bodies that will change over time and a willingness to try and accept that and try and maintain the love and appreciation for that body on your partner's body is really important rather than punishing someone for being like, you didn't, you no longer look my ideal, fix it or we break up. And obviously there, there are certain circumstances where that's different. I've seen people post very frequently online saying my partner's gained 30 kilos, not pregnant, just gains it. And they're unhealthy they don't exercise and I find that 
a turnoff. And I think that's fair enough. Like that's, that is a substantial amount of weight that is very different. And it's not necessarily just the weight. It's also the lifestyle that comes along with it that may be very different to you and what you find attractive. So yeah, I think it's, it's an interesting one to kind of broach and talk about, but I do think it's important. Yeah, I suppose you'd have to, you'd have to have a conversation there, but I'm just trying to think of, I don't think I've ever been asked that question and I'm trying to, and not, and not, I'm not trying to say it's a, you shouldn't ask it or anything, but I'm trying to think how I would answer something like that. If someone was like, would you still be attracted to me when I'm 60? I would say, well, I would, I, I would hope I am. And I think I would be, but it's something that I can't, if I were to say, yeah, absolutely. I definitely would be. I wouldn't, I, I just wouldn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And fair enough. But I don't know. Maybe I should answer that better. I don't know. I think just answering it just the first <laughs> sentence, um, I hope I would be and I think I will be. <laughs> I think that's yeah. good. <laughs> just say that. <laughs> um, Because yeah. uh, mo- most of the of a relationship attraction at that point should be from shared experiences and mm-hmm. the bond that you've built over that long period of time, whereas sexual attraction is very ephemeral. Usually after the honeymoon period, it goes down a bit. And then after yeah. two years, it goes down even more. Yeah. And then after seven years, there's a big dip. So yeah. you have to almost anticipate that. Mm-hmm. I think in any relationship, both people should be anticipating like, all yeah. right, the sex drive is not going to be as strong as it is when we meet. Um, do we have enough in common? Are there enough shared values that we can sustain this? And work, are we willing to work on that? Because Yeah, a hundred percent. I think that's a huge one. We know we've talked about this in podcasts a lot and it's something I've done in every single relationship as well is not that I necessarily suggest or think that everyone should do this, but I have gauged whether they are educated on and most people to be honest aren't and that's why so many people end a relationship after one and a half to three years because the shift in hormones and their honeymoon phase is over they think I no longer am crazy about him or her so they ended it or whatever like I like to gauge if people have an education around like this is normal in a relationship um and I even went through that as in you know years ago in my first relationships I kept ending it after a couple of years thinking okay this no longer is super exciting to me and then it wasn't until I kind of learned more about relationships and studied it I'm like this is actually probably going to happen in every relationship and I would say that to like Adrian as well when we started dating and he kept being like I'm so obsessed with you blah 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 blah, blah. and I would always be like I love that you say that but there's going to be a time where you're not like this obsessed with me and this attracted to me, et cetera. Like, are you still going to hold this same amount of effort and energy in our relationship and love when it's not like a natural hormonal obsession where you want to see me and be around me 24 seven? Like, are you going to stay to that commitment, et cetera? Um, I think a good thing single people should ask themselves is like, what do I expect from myself in a relationship? And what do I need to do every week for that relationship? Regardless of yeah. how I feel, if I'm if we've had a fight or if we're in a not the strongest place of the relationship, and one can still do those things. So if it's okay once a week, there's a date I plan, or there's this yeah. is what I these are the sort of abstract ideas I have for what a relationship is. Because otherwise, you're just reacting to your emotions, 
which is obviously what love is, uh, but you get in a trap where that those emotions eventually dissipate and so many relationships become toxic then mm. because they're both kind of almost punishing the other person for not instilling that same feeling yeah. that existed yeah. at the beginning of the relationship and it's a it's a, it's it's just a curse if you are constantly getting into relationships like that mm. so it just takes it doesn't even take a huge amount of education but Many of the books that we've mentioned on previous episodes will do the trick. Um, Esther Perel is great. And what's the classic yeah. one? Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Um, Sex adorns. Books about non-monogamy actually touch on that a lot. They're very interesting. Because once you know that, you don't have that expectation that the partner will always create that same feeling in you. And yeah. so it's better. It's a weight off your shoulders actually. It's yeah. a weight off the relationship shoulders. I think another one maybe people could broach is, well, yes, the financial values, but also if I quit my job, if I want, you know, right now I might be earning X amount and if I wanted to pursue a, an artistic passion and was bringing yes. in nothing for two years, how would you feel about that? I think that's yes. a really important question to ask. Or you wanted to study Sure. I want to yeah. travel for a year and not have any income. Yeah. What would you, if I had enough savings to just, you know, cover the rent but can't really save or can't offer the same amount, of that, that same lifestyle, uh, how would you feel about that? Is that a prerequisite for the relationship, a certain I think that is a level really status? great one. I actually have ended, partly ended a relationship because of this and I was so like I really respected him for telling me this but he was like I foresee um you know myself traveling for maybe two years or even traveling for a year and then living overseas for a year working um working I guess online and digital nomad kind of thing um what are your thoughts on that? Like, I'd like, would you come travel with me, etc.? And I was like, I love that about you and I love you're so adventurous and I think, like, this is really important you fulfill that, but that is not my dream and I don't want to do that. I want to keep, like, pursuing my career and I've just finished eight years of studying. Like, I don't want to do all this yet, etc. and I want to start having a family. I don't want to work or live overseas. Like, I will never live overseas for what I can foresee. And that conversation led us to realize as much as we liked and respected each other and had a lot of love, our long-term dreams were so different. And we were kind of like, well, do we want to, you know, forsake, like one of us sacrifice and forsake that dream? And I think he would have been maybe willing to, but it was kind of, it ended up just being like, well, I think that we both need to pursue what we want to do most in life and neither one of us is right or wrong for that. It's just different goals, different dreams or whatever. Um, and I guess that could be another question, like what is your long-term goals and long-term dreams? Like do you want to have your own career? Do you want to be working part-time? Do you want to be, once you had kids, do you want to be a stay-at-home mom forever or whatever? Um, how many kids? Yeah, how many kids do you want? I think how do we want to raise them? Do we expect do to raise them with the religion? Yeah. Where do you want to live? What type of school? That's a 
big ones, Steiner School, private school, and public schools. Look, uh, this is a long list Maybe of not questions. Urgent. You're not going <laughs> yeah. to agree on every single thing. You're not yeah. going to find someone who agrees with you on every single thing of these. But you want to have someone who yeah. agrees on, uh, you know, a plurality or a majority of these yeah. sorts of things or at least is in with a similar you know, if someone's like, I want six kids and the other person's like, I want one, that's not going to work. Whereas if someone's like, I want three and the other's like, I want two, well, you can still yeah. both be quite happy in either situation, I would think. And I went on a date once with a guy and he asked me, how many kids do you want? And I said, in an ideal world, I would have one to two natural biological children and then um, eventually I would like to foster probably multiple kids, um, and open my home to those. And he was like, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd kind of be open to that. But if I, even if I adopted another kid or fostered another kid, I, by the way, wouldn't put them in my will and I wouldn't give them anything of mine that would just go to my biological kids. And I was like, okay, that was a very like specific scenario, but it turned me off enough to be like, we're not compatible. <laughs> um, and he he also then said afterwards where I was like, that is like, I was like, so if you literally adopted a child and raised them, you wouldn't give them anything. And he was like, no, they're not my biological child, blah, blah, blah. And after I was like, we, we're not compatible. I can just tell you straight up we're not compatible. And he was like, yeah, to be honest, I'm actually not like keen on, I wouldn't ever want to adopt or foster in the first place. And I was like, that's fair enough. Like, good to know. And it's pretty, like, crazy to think that was literally a first date conversation and it was just a casual chit-chat, not, like, anticipating our future relationship together. I was just saying, this is what I want to do. And he was like, well, if I did that, I wouldn't give them any money. It wasn't talking about us as a couple, but I was just like, yeah, this, yuck. Like, to me, in my opinion, yuck. Good to get that out of the way. Yeah. Uh, one thing maybe to gauge is also do they have any – you know, any um, maybe illnesses or uh, mental yeah. health concerns. Because I know I uh, on some, when I was single, I didn't even ask this, but they were very open about it. Yeah. And I, I just thought it's, it's going to be a lot harder to be in a long-term relationship with someone with the, those mental health issues that you have. And unfortunately, I don't think I'd be the guy to do that. Um, yeah. so that's something that it's better to talk about early on, uh, than I agree. Later. And I actually think that mental health in particular is one of those things that both people in that relationship are within the right to know it. There are certain things that I understand and can validate if you want to keep private, like say previous traumas, etc. but I don't think that if you have a, say, bipolar disorder, I don't think that should be a secret because someone should know whether, one, they're willing to support you or if, what can they do if they were, an, you know, you to have an episode or should they expect you to be on medication, what happens if you go off that medication, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think, or even even if you're, for example, trans, I think that's um, important or sexual orientation for safety I think it's important to disclose that because what happens if you disclose that years into a relationship? And I saw yeah. a couple. I actually saw two you things on disclose that. on um yeah big time. I think um on Reddit. So tell me your opinion on this. So the first one I came across, and I don't know if this one was a legitimate story, 
fun. I didn't read it. And he said that he is a five foot three male. Uh, I can't remember what his weight was. It was in pounds, but it was, he was very small weight. Um, and he said he was incarcerated and when he was in jail, he kept getting um, really badly assaulted, beaten, blah, blah, blah. And someone offered him protection in exchange for blowjobs. And he's a straight male. And he said it was extremely degrading. I cried every day. I Oof. hated every second of it. Like it was so disgusting. Eventually I just dissociated and it just became the norm, whatever. And um, I've since left jail and um, years have passed. I have a wife. She doesn't know. Every single comment was like, get therapy and never tell your wife. Everyone. Not one person said, tell your wife. Every single really? person said, do not tell your wife. There's something, there, there's a dif- difference there between, and, and this is just anecdotal, but I've heard a lot of bisexual men say that when they date straight women and mention their sexual experiences with men yeah. or that they're bisexual, the women get really uncomfortable and they don't like yeah. it. Yeah. Whereas when bisexual women talk about any experiences they've had with women or that, that, that they're bisexual, the men, either they don't care or they actually get turned on by it. Yeah. So, and do, do you know what though? I think it's bad in both cases because probably. I find that when men are okay with a bisexual woman, you can go and kiss your girlfriends at parties, but you can't kiss men. She is equally attracted to men and women yet you're invalidating her kissing a woman because you find that less threatening, even though she has specifically told you I'm equally attracted. And equally as bad is women shutting down and denying men because they have, I do see that all the time. And I I understand you can have your own boundaries and expectations or whatever if you have that. But I, I do feel really bad for bisexual men in particular because I know that that is a huge issue that they face is the rejection from women once they find out that they have men and secretly it's like men and women both are assuming that everyone just wants men women with a bisexual man always think he'll eventually want to settle down with a man and men with a bisexual woman think, don't want, it doesn't matter, she'll want to be with a man. <laughs> do, you, do you think that's what it is or do you think they just question the masculinity of him if he's been with a man? Or they yeah. don't see him as that much as much of a man or they, you know, because there's the gay best friend who's fun and, you know, but yeah. never someone that they would see themselves dating or as someone that they could be attracted to. And then those roles get confused when a man says, yeah, banged a bunch of dudes or something. I I think it could be, and in many cases I'm sure. And what I see anecdotally online is from women that talk about this is mainly that they're concerned that he they will be 10, 5, whatever years into a relationship and he's going to want to seek out sexual experiences for a man and she'll never be able to fulfill the space of a man or hold that masculine energy. Like it's the feeling of being th- like feeling threatened by a widened dating pool and kind of discrediting the bisexuality and saying secretly he's probably more gay than he is straight. I do see that, which I think is sad. I have heard that a lot though. That's a very, it's almost, I don't know if I'd say universal, but a very common experience from bisexual men. Yeah. Yeah. 
definitely. It's um, and I think that even other men, like as peers or just general public, also invalidate bisexual men by saying, "Oh, he's not bi; he's gay, and he's just trying to compensate by saying he's bisexual or whatever." Um, I just yeah, I think it's really like sad and disrespectful. But yeah, and also I think, I think that everyone's a- bi. That's what I. I think everyone is on some kind of spectrum of sexuality. Um, I think you just buy until the situation. Like it's so, so many guys in prison that are otherwise straight, uh, then not straight. Yeah, and there is like this phenomena as well where it's like I like where guys consider themselves like. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the saying is. I can't remember. Basically, it's like when you're so aroused and you're so horny and you do things that are like once you're getting going with someone you might be like yeah I'll touch his dick as well like if you're in a threesome or yeah I'll try sucking his dick even though you're completely straight or etc or you're doing double penetration and finding that you know super arousing your dick's on someone else's dick um it's you know when sometimes when you're just super horny anything goes (laughs) so I think that's really common um yeah, probably. And nothing wrong with it. Well, they did it in Rome and Greece. They loved it. <laughs> they did it a lot of places, didn't they? Yeah. Um, one of the other ones um, I had, my last one, I guess, on like a, a female-centric specific question mm-hmm. to ask um, and not necessarily important for like, oh, it, it is important, but maybe not urgently, like within a few weeks, but to ask at some point for me personally would be like what are your, maybe like kind of more about the feminist views, like what are your views on abortion, if, especially if you're engaging in sex um, and what happens if you have an accidental pregnancy? Yeah, that's What are nice. your views on uh, protection? Do you, are you willing to use a condom or is the expectation on me to be on the pill? because I wouldn't go on it. Um, and also in a longer-term relationship, what are your views on on gender roles? Like do you feel like, you know, the woman should maintain the house, do the cooking, do the cleaning? Like do you have specific wants? Because some I actually am finding, not that men are leaning more towards tradition or non-tradition, but I think that a lot of men have an idea prior to being in relationships. I think they know what they prefer out of in regards to gender roles in their relationship like I think they know initially I would prefer a woman to do you know be at home with the kids I prefer a woman to be more of the um cleaning cooking or I'm happy to go halves and things or you can be a boss bitch and you can be my cougar or you can be out ermy that's fine like those things I think are really important to ask at some point definitely yeah that's um of course, because you don't want to get into uh, be five years into a relationship and then have an argument about that sort of stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah, and then even obviously religious views, family things like yeah. that. Um, God, there's so many. This is a lot. Like, yeah. obviously, you can't ask all of these on, you know, within three months. Yeah. Maybe I but would. <laughs> there's a there's a lot here. And, yeah. and you don't want to scare the other person off, hey. <laughs> yeah, true. Well well think about the ones that are the most important and ask those or, you know, try yeah. to gauge those. Yeah. Um 
some people would say they want it, they would want to know the attachment style, but I don't think most people still might not know that. Yeah. Maybe maybe probably if you ask more females they'd know their attachment style. But yeah. I doubt some would, but it's not really that common yet. Um but it, that would be a good thing to know if they are yeah. aware of it. Yeah. You know, or maybe things like how how often do you expect a text? Nah, then that's getting too much actually. Imagine that, third date. How often do you expect a text when you're in a long-term relationship? <laughs> that would be weird. Don't ask that. I know um, of a girl that went on a date or two dates with a guy and then the next day, I don't know, it was like 1 p.m. and he literally sent essays to her of abuse because he ha- she hadn't yet messaged him and said good morning. I was like, wow, thank God he did that so early on. Thank Jesus. God, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people have it. And he was like, it's common courtesy. We've been on a date. We've established a connection and you haven't messaged me this morning. The disrespect is like blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I was like, this guy's crazy. Wow. In my opinion. <laughs> Welcome to the new world. <laughs> yeah. And one question I asked else. or have asked, and this is not important for anyone, it's just my personal one, is do you have Snapchat? Because if you do, I find that a turn off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had that till till 2021. Yeah, I think so did I. Um, Maybe you Wait, so it was a turn off if the guy had it, but then you had it. Yeah, I uh, mean, I don't think I had uh, it till 2021. I probably like 2020, 2019, oh, so maybe, or maybe even earlier. I don't know, but you know the question but, I used to ask. This is just a me thing. I'll be like, um, "Have you read any um, books recently?" And then if they yeah. say, "No, I don't really read," um, I would. I, it wouldn't be a, a complete red flag, but I'd lose a bit of interest. Yeah, but that's just me. I think. Or like once someone was was saying that. No, I don't really have time. I read a magazine recently and I was like, yuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw, oh, um, I'm watching this show on Stan and it's called A Love Triangle where the, the contestants get um, like two people that they're talking to online um, where they don't see any their faces or know any information. They just have to choose between the two people who they're going to go on a date with. And one of the guys' first question was, who are your three top music artists? And the first girl replied being um, Ed Sheeran, Ariana Grande and Taylor Swift. And he was like, absolutely not. <laughs> I'm like, music tastes so shit, I can't. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's probably something I would If someone asked me, I'm such a generic taste in music. I'd be I like, know I don't know, whatever on, whatever's on the radio usually. Yeah, I'd be good. like, depends on the day. Depends on the weather. I think it's actually worse when someone's like, this is not just a music artist. This person is my life. Yeah. And like, they mean so yes. much to me and I feel all of their albums and they speak to me on a visceral level. That's weird. Yeah. They're a singer. Relax. Yeah. Yeah. You, this is completely separate to the topic, but don't you think it's weird? I, am I the only one who doesn't think when you just look at the image of a music festival and you see these lasers and a DJ who's probably got chlamydia just spinning some decks and all these people screaming and having an almost out-of-body spiritual experience that they've paid $500 for. That's a cult. Yeah. That's a cult. Yeah, I think it is. I is agree. Skrillex 100%. that good? Yeah. No. 
It's the rapport. It's the feel. It's the energy. That's like it's like a drug when every single person is on that same wavelength. It's a magical feeling. It's similar to like how like people. Sure, that's how it feels at Scientology as well. It is like, and I was gonna say how people feel in church. A lot of churchgoers, like when everyone is in that zone of like appreciating and praying, and they feel like they're all kind of linked in with that energy. It can be yeah, then so powerful. Do people go to those kind of concerts are like, oh, religion is so stupid. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, you also cried when you heard Wet Ass Pussy Live. <laughs> like, I don't know, that sounds pretty cultish to me. <laughs> <laughs> you are worshipping someone. You are literally yeah. throwing your bras at them, etc. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Crazy. Anyway. Well, that was a very, that was a comprehensive list. <laughs> Uh, we write write, we're going to write a book. We were, we were actually thinking of it. But I it's too, about that. Yeah, maybe we could one day. Um, yeah, we should. It's just There's just too much on my plate. I've wanted to write a book for a while. I know I actually mentioned it early last year. I was like, I'm writing yeah. a book. And then I try, I wrote about 60 pages and then I, I thought, well, I'm writing a book for the sake of writing a book rather than actually yeah. just to be able to say I wrote a book by the time I'm 30, which is not a – if you're going to write a book, you've got to yeah. be something you're passionate about and something you yeah. really want to write about. So I stopped. Uh, but maybe um, we can – we had the date idea book. I thought that yeah. would be good. You know what we to, should do to, to is – Still do one day. You know how they have like, actually, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this off camera so no one steals my idea because I think it's good. <laughs> okay. I'll tell, you, I'll tell okay. you after. All right. Well, we got to leave them hanging. Now. On that note. Yeah. <laughs> See you later. Sorry, guys. I'm gonna be privy <laughs> to some exciting entrepreneurial entrepreneur. That was always such a mouthful. <laughs> entrepreneurial so ideas, and you're not. Um. <laughs> If you like the podcast, please share, uh, follow us on Spotify and all the other usual places that you get your podcast and follow Eliza on Instagram. There's the third last episode that I will be a main co-feature, which is very exciting. And sad. And sad, of course. Um, So feel free to listen to any of our back catalogue. There's, what, 147 that you can listen to and be extolled with brilliant wisdom regarding modern relationships. So uh, thank you everyone for listening and we will see you come to, come to a show, neilcolhacker.com slash tickets. And we'll see you next week.